1: You're listening to Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. Can a lawyer turn a QAnon shaman invading the Capitol in Viking gear into a peace-loving yoga enthusiast? That would be a stunning legal feat. But some lawyers defending those charged in the Capitol riot are looking for any way to get around the virtually irrefutable video and photographic evidence of their client's participation in the riot. Court filings and hearings indicate others may use a "Trump made me do it" defense. Yes. Take
0: the Capitol building. Take the Capitol. Take it. Take the Capitol. Take the Capitol right now. The
1: The Just Security blog has put together footage of many videos from within the crowd showing the reaction to Trump's speech before the attack on the Capitol. Could it provide support for a defense that the rioters acted in response to Trump's violent rhetoric? Joining me is Bloomberg Legal Reporter David Yaffe Bellany. So, David, there was a man who was easily identifiable and stood out from the very beginning because he was half-naked and wearing some kind of Viking headdress with horns. But his lawyer is now saying he's a peace-loving yoga enthusiast whose hero is Mahatma Gandhi. Yes,
2: yeah, so that's Jacob Chansley, who's better known probably as the QAnon shaman. He's an adherent of the QAnon conspiracy theory and a sort of a leader in that world who's shown up at a lot of far-right protests over the last few months. And yes, he showed up at the riot dressed in a horned coyote-skin headdress, with a bare midriff covered with tattoos. And he was photographed standing at the dais that Mike Pence had deserted just moments earlier in the Senate chamber. And so that image of him became one of the defining images of the riot, especially in the early days. And he, in some ways, is sort of the face of the mob that invaded the Capitol.
1: So how is his lawyer trying to portray him now?
2: His lawyer is now arguing that actually this guy is a yoga-loving, peace-loving person whose personal hero is Mahatma Gandhi. You know, you hear people say, you know, this person wouldn't hurt a fly. Um, the lawyer actually told me that he's heard from several friends of his that rather than killing an insect, he'll he'll pick it up and take it outside and kind of release it back into the wild. That he's that kind of peace-loving person, never mind that he's accused of leaving a threatening note for Pence at the, at the Senate day.
1: Describe the range of charges for the different people involved in the riot.
2: So on the kind of minor end, you've got just basic trespassing. You know, this person entered a government building when they weren't allowed to. And that includes people like Chansley, who were photographed in the Senate chamber, and then people who were maybe at the back of the mob and just kind of followed the crowd inside and who might actually be in a position to argue that they didn't know what they were doing was wrong. That's kind of on the minor end. On the more serious end, you've got people who are accused of assault of You know, launching a fire extinguisher at a group of police officers, punching police officers, attacking reporters who are based in the Capitol, stealing government property. I mean, everybody's seen the photos of one of the defendants, Adam Johnson, carrying off a lectern from the Capitol building. There was also a man who was in Nancy Pelosi's office and took a letter from her desk. That kind of theft is also being charged. And then members of the far-right group, the Oath Keepers, have been charged with conspiracy to subvert the democratic process, and that's the most serious charge that we've seen, and we're expecting to see more of those in the coming months. We're also expecting a felony murder charge eventually related to the death of police officer Brian Sicknick, who had died as a result of injuries that he sustained at the Capitol.
1: So we know that law enforcement is going through all these images and video. Are defense lawyers doing the same, and what are they looking for?
2: Sure, yeah, defense lawyers are absolutely doing the same thing. They're pouring through the video footage, news footage, social media posts. They're looking for evidence that might be exculpatory, that might paint their client in a more positive light. So for instance, Jacob Chansley's lawyer told me that he found footage of Chansley leading a prayer in the Capitol and found footage of him urging other rioters to leave the building. And while that might not actually upend the prosecution's case, it could certainly be helpful at the sentencing stage in kind of persuading the judge that, you know, this person was trying to do the right thing when they were in the building.
1: There's video of rioters in the act of stealing things like the podium you mentioned, smashing windows, throwing things at police. It seems like it would be very hard for a defense attorney to defend a client in the face of video evidence like that.
0: With the
2: job of the defense attorney to come up with a defense for Basically, anything. But yes, it would be very difficult to argue that somebody who was caught on video smashing a window and then climbing through it didn't realize that it was legal to trespass or that there was no intent to commit a crime in that action. I think that's basically an impossible case to argue. So those people are going to be in a tough position, and they're probably going to be sent to prison, as they probably should be. But, you know, defense lawyers might try the same sorts of tactics that we've been discussing, sort of creating a narrative around their client that paints them in a more positive light, you know, puts their actions in context. They might argue that their client is showing remorse. They might try to strike a deal with the prosecutors in which their client gives information on other people involved in the riot in exchange for some sort of leniency. So there are a range of things that defense lawyers can try to do even in cases where it's totally clear-cut that somebody was breaking the law at the Capitol.
1: Yeah, I expect we're going to be seeing a lot of plea deals and cooperators. Now, some people plan to use former President Trump as a defense. How would that work?
2: So this is a legal concept known as the public authority defense. And it's the argument that somebody who is committing a crime was just following orders from a government official. So, you know, a really sort of mundane example of this might be if the mayor of a small town told you to park in a certain place where actually parking was not allowed and you got in trouble, you know, you, you could argue that you were directed by a local government official to do this. It's obviously a lot more more complicated in the case of the Capitol riot. But basically the argument would be that Trump, when he got up on the stage at the rally before the riot at the Capitol and said, fight harder and march to the Capitol, you know, that was an explicit instruction to the protesters who were gathered there to go invade the center of American democracy. That would be the argument. It's sort of the Trump made me do it defense. The fact that lawyers for rioters and rioters themselves are making that claim could actually be helpful to Democrats as they make their case in the Senate impeachment trial, where where Trump's been charged with with incitement of, of a mob. And so it's not a defense that many legal experts think is a kind of obvious winner, but it's certainly a a direction that some of these lawyers are thinking of going in.
0: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at Qatar Economic Forum.com. Has that
1: defense ever worked in a situation analogous to the Capitol riot?
2: That's a good question. I actually don't know. A context in which it's often applied is, you know, somebody doing undercover work for like the CIA or some sort of intelligence gathering operation, and they break the law that they're following orders from a higher up in the law enforcement capacity. That's a situation when it might come into play.
1: One of the people who might be raising that defense is Richard Barnett, who also became one of the poster boys of the riot because of a picture of him sitting at a desk with his feet up in Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office. I wonder how his lawyer will frame the defense. Did Trump make him put his feet up and leave an obscene note for Pelosi? It seems pretty far fetched.
2: Yes, yeah, on one level, it does seem far fetched because obviously Trump didn't get up there and lay out the specific things that these people are accused of doing and say do those things. But I think defense lawyers would argue, you know, these were people who thought that they were doing the president's bidding, that the election had been stolen, and that the president of the U.S., who has access to the Capitol, had told them to go inside and cause some trouble. And again, I think this is unlikely to lead to acquittals, but this is a factor that at the sentencing stage could play a role and be helpful for some of these people.
1: I found it fascinating that Barnett's bail hearing went on for something like five hours. Yeah. And they talked about everything from him being a kind person to rescuing a Pomeranian. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, this was a pretty unusual bail hearing. The magistrate in Arizona who was overseeing it allowed Barnett's lawyer, Anthony Siano, to call a series of witnesses including Barnett's longtime partner and her mother and her daughter, a bunch of friends and acquaintances of Barnett. Basically, the lawyer was trying to paint a picture of Barnett to counter the narrative in the media that this is this kind of smug guy with his feet up on Pelosi's desk, no respect for the democratic process. He was trying to paint Barnett as basically a good person who has a solid family and who's honest and reliable and who the judge could trust to kind of comply with the terms of bail. And actually, Siano was successful in making that case at first, and Barnett was granted bail. He was restricted to stay at home under pretty severe conditions, kind of a success that the strategy the lawyer was pursuing, but then prosecutors appealed the ruling to the judge in Washington who's was ultimately going to be overseeing the case, and that judge blocked it. And sent Barnett to jail in Washington while the case proceeds.
1: And some of the defense attorneys are going to try to show their clients didn't have the intent to commit a crime.
2: Basically, all criminal charges require proof that somebody was intending to commit the crime. And in most cases, that's not hard to show. But in a lot of these rioting cases, you'll have social media footage of somebody kind of milling around in the Capitol Rotunda, part of this mob. But if they were at the back of the crowd and they entered through the main doors, which eventually were flung wide open, and the police weren't really doing anything and they just walked in, they might be able to plausibly argue that they did not intend to break the law. They did not realize they were breaking the law. They were just following a crowd inside. Again, it's unclear whether that'll work in a courtroom. And certainly prosecutors might point to things that rioters said ahead of time or even said after the riot. I mean, if you were photographed just milling around of the rotunda, then later you posted on Facebook, yeah, we just laid siege to the Capitol. Prosecutors might say, OK, this person said they were laying siege. It clearly was an intent to break the law. So it's not a defense that will obviously work for everybody, but it's something that defense lawyers have in their arsenal as they're preparing to argue these cases.
1: Describe the range of charges for the different people involved in the riot.
2: So, on the kind of minor end, you've got just basic trespassing. You know, this person entered a government building when they weren't allowed to, and that includes people like Chansley, who were photographed in the Senate chamber, and then people who were maybe at the back of the mob and just kind of followed the crowd inside and who might actually be in a position to argue that they didn't know what they were doing was wrong. That's kind of on the minor end. On the more serious end, you've got People who are accused of assault, of you know, launching a fire extinguisher at a group of police officers, punching police officers, attacking reporters who are based in the Capitol, stealing government property. I mean, everybody's seen the photos of one of the defendants, Adam Johnson, carrying off a lectern from the from the Capitol building. Um, there was also a man who was in Nancy Pelosi's office and took a letter from her desk. So that kind of theft is also being charged. And then members of the far right group, the Oath Keepers, have been charged with conspiracy to subvert the democratic process. And that's the most serious charge that we've seen. And we're expecting to see more of those in the coming months. We're also expecting a felony murder charge eventually related to the death of police officer Brian Sicknick, who died as a result of injuries that he sustained at the Capitol.
1: Prosecutors are saying that they may upgrade the charges as time goes on.
2: Yes, they've said that. I mean, it's not clear who's already been charged might later be charged with something like that, or whether there are people that we don't know about yet who they're investigating and might end up charging with conspiracy or sedition. But that's certainly the direction that the investigation is heading, kind of away from these sort of serious, but not the most serious offenses to major investigations into whether this riot was coordinated ahead of time. There was serious planning involved between far-right militia groups across different states to pull this off.
1: So the FBI estimates that roughly 800 people entered the building. Apparently, they're debating within the Justice Department and law enforcement whether to charge people with unlawful entry who, as you've described, just sort of were part of the crowd and there's no evidence that they did anything else.
2: Yeah, there have been reports that there's kind of internal debate at Maine Justice at the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in, in Washington, which is leading the investigation over whether to charge everyone. You've got hundreds of people. Some of them were hardly doing anything, even if they were in there. Others were uh, attacking reporters and police officers. So, you know, where does it make sense to focus your prosecutorial energies, given that you don't want to overwhelm the court system? So there have been reports of that. Um, I would say Michael Sherwin, the acting U.S. attorney in Washington, um, talked to reporters this week and basically rebutted some of those reports, saying if you committed a crime, doesn't matter how minor it was, we're going to come after you. Um, So he was certainly making the case that there's no debate. We have total faith in the abilities of the local court system in Washington to handle the surge of cases, and we're going to arrest as many people as we can. Um, With that said, you know, there are probably some people who, for whatever reason, will never be identified. You know, they happen not to have shown up in the video footage. They were wearing a face mask and a and a hat or something, and they just couldn't be identified. I mean, 200 people have been charged so far out of, out of 800, you know, that's only a, only a quarter of the rioters. Um, and, you know, one would think that there's a, you know, a not inconsiderable portion of the people who are in the Capitol will just never be identified.
1: Have you heard any timeframes as to how long it might take the FBI and the Justice Department to find and charge these people?
2: The, uh, yeah, the FBI and the Justice Department have been pretty clear that um, this could be a month-long investigation, especially as they start building these more complicated cases against uh, people who may have uh, planned some sort of assault ahead of time. It just t- takes a lot longer. I mean, it's very easy to see a photo of Jacob Chansley wearing this headdress on, um, standing at the Senate dais, find him on social media, put together a quick case, and arrest him. That's easy to do. But building these more complicated cases requires traditional tools of law enforcement like grand jury subpoenas and search warrants. It requires you know, getting people to talk to you about what somebody might have been planning ahead of time. People, for the most part, were not going on Facebook and saying, Yeah, I coordinated this with this group of six people across these states during this time frame. That's a much harder case to to prove, but it's a sort of more significant and important case than look, here's some random guy who sort of wandered into the Capitol. So yeah, I think it's gonna be months before we see any kind of resolution to this. This is gonna be a major priority of the Justice Department for a long time. The siege was a huge embarrassment for law enforcement agencies across the Capitol, even ones that weren't directly involved in the security for this event and there's a sense that they need to kind of prove that they're taking it seriously and move as fast and as aggressively as they can.
1: So far, no one has been arrested in connection with the killing of the Capitol Police officer, right?
2: Yeah, we don't have a ton of information on where that investigation stands. Every time we've asked um, Michael Sherwin, the U.S. attorney and officials at the FBI who are involved in that investigation, they've just said it's ongoing, we can't play anything. What we do know is that the officer who died, Brian Sicknick, was hit over the head with a fire extinguisher. He was injured. He sort of made his way back to police headquarters, and he ended up dying later. So that's still under investigation. I mean, anytime a cop is killed, that's a you know a huge priority for law enforcement to figure out what happened. So I'm sure we'll see charges eventually. And the officials who are running the investigation have said to expect most likely a felony murder charge in that case.
1: Thanks, David. That's Bloomberg Legal Reporter David Yaffe Bellany. And that's it for this edition of the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, you can always get the latest legal news on our Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to Bloomberg.
0: The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th.